This episode of All Have Another is brought to you by PrepDish. PrepDish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service, and there are paleo and gluten-free options. Some delicious choices I'm looking at right now are veggie chopped salad with artichokes, white beans, tomatoes, and feta, honey barbecue chicken with coleslaw and purple potato cubes, ginger lime salmon pouches with roasted red pepper and sweet potato soup. Kinds of awesome recipes to choose from. And what Allison the chef does is she sends you a detailed, organized, categorized grocery list that you take to the store, get all your groceries, prep all your meals on Sunday. It's easy. You get home from work. Everything's done. You throw it in the oven. You can send to your children or whatever you need to do without thinking about what you're going to make for dinner during the week. Let's go to prepdish.com slash another. Use promo code another all caps and get a free two-week trial. Prep Dish for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hyde. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you are listening to episode 49, and I'm talking with Amelia Gappin. Amelia is a marathon runner. She's an engineer at Tumblr. She was the first transgender woman to be on the cover of Women's Running Magazine, and we talk so much about running, about her transition, about her love for Disney, and both of our loves for Gilmore Girls. It's a really fun episode. I had a lot of fun talking with Amelia and getting to know her better. You guys can follow Amelia on Instagram, Entirely Amelia, E-N-T-I-R-E-L-Y-A-M-E-L-I-A. And she's also that on Twitter. And you can also find her blog if you just go to entirelyamelia.com. Before we start my conversation with Amelia, I want to let you guys know that I started a Patreon page, and this is a way for regular listeners of the show to support the show. Think of it as your subscription. But the cool thing about it is that you get bonus episodes. So every single month, I will record a bonus episode, and that is for Patreon listeners only. January's bonus episode was with my friend Allie Feller. Allie was a guest on this podcast. She was episode 39. If you want to go back and see what you think about Allie and if you think you would love a bonus episode with her. So anyway, I listened back to that episode today at the gym and it was actually pretty funny, if I do say so myself. You guys, I'm at 171 ratings and reviews on iTunes. So if you would be so kind to go over there and leave me a rating review if you haven't already done so. Rating and reviews on iTunes is the best way for new listeners to potentially find the show. So I know there's a lot more than 171 of you guys listening on the regular. So I would really appreciate it if you would do that. Let's tip over 200 for February. Let's get to over 200 ratings and reviews. All right, guys, I'm going to keep the intro short because I have children who are probably going to be noise any second now. They already are. So enjoy my conversation with Amelia. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I just got my third child to bed, so we should be good. Fingers crossed. Yes. Um, do you live in New York City? I live in Jersey City, which is, we call ourselves the sixth borough sometimes, um, because it's just across the Hudson River. Okay. Um, so when I run, I have 
the skyline of New York, of lower Manhattan uh, to look at. Um, and I take a subway to work. Do you work in the city, though? I do. I work in Manhattan. Okay. Oh, my gosh. You guys all have your little New York City lives, and it just looks like, seems like a movie to me. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because, like, at the end of the day, I, I just kind of, like, go home. I want to come back to Jersey City. Um, so, to me, it's nothing like in, like, movies or, like, TV shows. Um, I kind of just, like, after work, kind of, like, hanging out at home anymore. Yeah. I think the older we get, the more we feel like that, right? Yeah. It's exhausting to do things. Yeah. Um, so can you give everybody a little bit of an intro of who you are, where you grew up, and all that good stuff? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm Amelia Gappin. Um, I grew up in South Jersey, um, just outside of Philadelphia. So I, I brought a South Jersey Philly accent with me when I moved <laughs> up into, like, North Jersey. Um, and I used to get made fun of because I would say water instead of water. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we always get made fun of for, like, saying phone and home and, like, kind of drawing it out in the middle there. So I actually practiced and changed my, um, my accent. Uh, but so now I live in uh, Jersey City, um, and I am a software engineer at Tumblr. Um, and I, I always mention where I work because it's, like, a company people have heard of. Yeah, it's, like, a cool place to work. Yeah, it's pretty rad. How many people work for Tumblr? Um, we are probably around like 350 or 400 people at Tumblr. Wow. Yeah, we're really, we're actually really small compared to like Facebook and Twitter and all these other companies. I mean, like Facebook probably has more employees working just on Facebook Messenger than we have in our whole company. That's insane. Yeah. Tell me this though, like how many people are in your office? In our office, it's, I want to say maybe like 200 or so, um, we have a bunch of floors in a 10-story building. We have, like, maybe half the building. Um, and then each floor has, like, maybe, like, 30 or 40 desks, but not all the floors are full. So when you're, you say you're an engineer for them, like, what are you doing? So I'm, a, I'm basically a computer programmer. I write code all day. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, I work on our API team, which basically the API is just kind of how um, mobile apps like the iOS and Android apps actually talk back to our servers. So it's just kind of like that connecting layer. I can't even imagine. I mean, I just it's just a foreign language. Well, to most of us normal people. What, what was your degree in? Um, actually, sociology and psychology. So how did you learn how to do all the coding? Um, so it's interesting. Like, growing up, I was really into computers. I was, like, super nerdy. Um, and, like, so I grew up, I'm 30, I'm almost 34. So when I was in, like, third grade, most families didn't really have, like, a computer, but my parents got me my own computer that was, like, in my room, so I got to, like, actually, like, play with it. And oh, stuff. I had a friend like I, that. Yeah, and I always was like, oh, yeah, I want to, like, be a programmer. This is what I want to do with my life. And that was just, like, unquestioned until my senior year of high school. Um, I, was, I had a computer programming class in high school. It was actually, I, there was two years of it. And it was the second year I had this teacher that was just terrible. He just wasn't very, like... <laughs> He wasn't encouraging. He was just kind of always telling everybody what they did wrong. Um, there was, like, no passion. And it made me think, like, wow, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I think I hate this. I don't think I like programming. Like, I don't want to do this. So I went to college as a bio pre-med major, actually. <laughs> and then after two years, decided, you know, if I'm going to be a doctor, like, I feel like that's going to be the only thing I'll ever be. Like, you don't have time to do other things. That didn't sound pleasant to me either. 
Um, so that's when I switched to sociology and psychology. But when I was in school, I was really involved in my college radio station. Um, and I was head music director of the radio station. And we, this was in the early 2000s, we used to log everything that DJs played over the air by hand. So they would have to write down on a paper log, and at the end of the week, you'd have to count them up, and you'd have to know what songs people played, because record companies and record promotion companies would send you albums every week, and then you'd have to talk to them, and they'd want to know how the records are doing. So you have to go through these logs. I was like, man, you know, it'd be really good if we had just like software to do this, and like people could put it on the computer, and then we'd have like a database, and we'd know all the music we had. So right after I graduated, I kind of still lived in the area. So I was still doing my radio show, and I was still involved as like a community member. And I actually just like went out to a bookstore and like bought a book on like how to program. It was called like How to Do Everything with PHP. It was like some real beginner thing. And I just like read through it and started writing software. And um, so that's what they use there now. Um, and that was 11, and a half, 11 years ago? They used what you ago. created? Um, yeah. So they still use this. Wow, that's um, so cool. Which is kind of crazy, but that's how I learned how to program. I just kind of like taught myself. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I have a headache thinking about it. Um, the only thing I know how to do coding-wise is like I know how to go on the back end of my blog and like um, make it so that a link opens into a new window. Like, oh. you know, like blank underscore yeah. equal, whatever that is. That's That's not even coding, though. That's like, what is that? I mean, so like HTML is oh, HTML. And what's considered like... Yeah, it's considered a markup language. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's still code. It's, it's still code. I don't know. Coding's fun to me. Um, it's definitely challenging. But yeah, people have that, that reaction where they're like, oh my God, I could never do that. But it's not that hard to learn. Um, you just kind of like have to take it slow and digest each concept at a time. But it's kind of what you're doing is you're just kind of breaking down a set of actions or like a concept. Break it down to small pieces, and then you just kind of write it in a language the computer can understand. It's kind of, it's kind of just like talking to a computer that probably didn't sell it very well. Um, yeah. What does Danielle do? She is a technical writer. Um, so she basically writes like user guides and documentation. Um, yeah, it's kind of it sounds boring to me, but <laughs> but so, coding yeah. is not. Yeah, so she, it's funny because, like, she actually works with, like, engineers. Like, at her company, the engineers write the code, they write stuff, and then they tell her what they did, and she has to explain it to users. <laughs> does she work in the city as well? She does. So do you guys get yeah, a commute she, together, or do you go in at the same time? Um, we usually don't commute together. Um, so a lot of times, like, we go in at different times. Like, we have different running or working out schedules, so... Um, the days that I'm running, she'll be like, oh, I'm going to go to yoga in the city mm -hmm. or something. And um, Every once in a while, we'll commute together, and we'll, but we'll walk to the subway together and then get on different ends of the train oh. because the, where we get, we get off at different stops. And I, and we, so we get on by where the steps are. Okay. You know, it's like I know which car to get in so that when I get off, I'm right by the steps and I yeah. can run right out. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned running. Are you a morning runner? Um, I try to be. Okay, so can you tell everybody a little bit about like when you started running? What was your interest in that and everything? Yeah, so I started running in uh, what I say probably I think it was like two thousand eight. Um, I used to hate. I was one of those people who hated running growing up. You know, like I was when I was in high school and we had to run the mile in gym class. I was like, yeah, I'm, I I don't think I'm feeling well today. Uh -huh. I, I'm gonna like call it. I'm gonna like 
you know, not go to school. Um, I hated it. I don't, I don't know why I hated it then. Um, and then, yeah, in like 2008, I was um, dating this girl and I had this roommate and they also knew each other and they played soccer every Tuesday after work. And they both convinced me to go play soccer after work with them. And I went the first time, I was like, so out of breath. I, I was so out of shape, but I was so embarrassed. Um, and she ran a little, so she convinced me to like start running with her to get in shape. Um, and then when her and I broke up, it became this thing I did because I was like, oh, you know, I'm losing weight and I'm feeling good about myself and I'm going through this breakup. So it became something I just kind of did as like a routine and it was like almost like punishing myself, but also, <laughs> um, you know, it, I felt it was kind of distracting me from things. And then there was this one run, I was like outside and I was like, wait, I, I think I actually like this. Like, I think I like what I'm doing right now. And so, like, after that, it just kind of became this thing I, I enjoyed doing on its own, and it wasn't punishment anymore. Yeah. So, have you? I feel like I've heard you talk about in the past, has running helped you get through depression and things like that? Yeah. Um, so, I have terrible, like, suicidal depression um, and anxiety, and running is definitely something that has helped me a lot with that. Um, it's not a cure. It's certainly not a cure, but it's kind of like I can go for a run, and then I'm, like, good for, like, that day. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, the crisis is over, you know. Um, I could go for a run when, like, I'm feeling miserable or, you know, even, like, when I start to get into that, like, suicidal feeling, I could go for a run, and then I don't feel like that anymore. It's really great, but it's also something I, re- I realized that a lot of my mental health is tied up in that. Like, if I get injured, you know, and I lose that, uh, that's a problem. Totally. Yeah, that's that's a scary thing too. Um, my mom was a runner for many years, and she like blew out her knee. Like she basically she can't run anymore, and um, I don't. She you know she's not hasn't battled depression that severely, but I mean it has been probably two or three years since she's been able to run, and it's made a huge impact on her mental health because she wouldn't even listen to my podcast because it I talk about running so much, and she just she can't Aww. hear it because it's so like. It was her thing, you know, so she, she rose now. So I guess it's kind of like you have to find a different outlet, but it's right. It's so hard to find something that mimics that feeling it gives you. It is. And like, cause that's the thing. Like I mostly just like to run. Like, I don't like going to the gym. I don't like Danielle tries to get me to do yoga. I don't like doing yoga. I don't, I just, I just want to run. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, you have to do cross training. You have to do strike training so you'll get injured and, so that's such like a burden to me. Yeah. What's going on now though? I saw you tweeting that you maybe had a stress fracture. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm hoping I'm just being like a hypochondriac about it. Um, I have a doctor appointment tomorrow and I had a physical therapist appointment this morning. She's like, I don't think it's a stress fracture. It doesn't seem like it. Like I can walk on it. She's like, okay, try jumping on it. I was able to jump on it and it didn't hurt. So that's a pretty good indication, but we'll see, you know, fingers crossed. But yeah, I have pain like under uh, the ball of my foot, under like the second metatarsal. It's always scary with stress fractures too, because it's like, I feel like the pain can be very minimal, but the injury can be very severe. Yeah, absolutely. That That's kind of like the worry um, is it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to overreact, but at the same time, you want to react enough um, and you want to be smart about it. You don't want to just ignore it. Exactly. Okay, so 
let's get into it. So you you were the first transgender woman on the cover of Women's Writing Magazine, which is yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, pretty crazy. You applied for the contest that I did like two years mm-hmm. before you. And yes. Okay. And you, but you didn't end up winning it. Correct. But then you were on the cover anyway, like how many months later? Uh, it was only a few months later. So the contest, I forget when the cover runner was on, but I want to say it was like January or February maybe. Okay. And then I was on July. Um, yeah, it was, it was really crazy that I lost and still ended up on the cover for like just completely unrelated. Um, so tell me about that experience and kind of like what that meant to you and, and the significance behind it. Uh, I mean, it was a really crazy experience to me. You know, you don't, you don't really think about what would happen if somebody asked you to be on the cover of a magazine. So it's pretty crazy, but I think I, I didn't even know what it meant to me until afterwards. And after a lot of people started reaching out to me, a lot of other like transgender people telling me how amazing this was for them, like, and how important it was to see somebody like them, um, you know, on a cover of a magazine being like successful and doing this, um, and I kind of always hated this idea of being a role model because, I mean, that's a lot of pressure, and it's just like, you know, don't do what I'm doing, you know, do your own thing, but the idea of a possibility model, of just saying, like, this is, like, possible, like, you could be successful, you can do these things, and, you know, in our case, being transgender isn't a bad thing, it doesn't have to be this thing that prevents you from doing other things that you love or being successful. So to have other people reach out and tell me that that's what it meant to them um, and that it inspired them to either go ahead with transition uh, themselves or to kind of like start running again um, or just be a little less afraid, uh, that, that was amazing to me um, to just know that you have such profound effect uh, for the better on other people. Did you have somebody in your life that when you decided you were going to go ahead and do the transition, I mean, I've read your blog and kind of like your wording on all this, um, you kind of say like, I've always been Amelia, this is always who I've been. Did you have someone in your life that kind of gave you the, is courage the right word to, to make that decision to transition? Um, I guess this is, I feel like this is going to sound bad, but no, not, because like I didn't, I didn't know any other trans people. Um, Uh it wasn't, gosh, almost a year really after I decided to transition that I actually met, started meeting other trans people in person. Um, I knew people online, um, and yeah, like the Twitter trans community is pretty supportive, um, and seeing other people who had done it was helpful, but mostly like at first I kind of felt like I was on my own. The biggest person who was inspirational to me um, was the singer of the punk band Against Me, because um, she's transgender, and she came out um, right before I did. And her band is a band that I had listened to at that point for more than a decade. I was already like a pretty big fan of her band, and I had picked up these things in her lyrics. Mm. And then she came out, and I'm like, obviously, like, <laughs> duh, of course you're transgender. And then I was like, Oh, huh? Like, duh! I'm transgender too. Like, obviously. So it was kind of that kick in the butt. But then after that, it did. It was a lot of like figuring things out on my own and trying to like research things. Um, I wished I had known people in person. It would have helped. 
Sure. Was it um was it a challenging thing to talk to your family about? It is. Um, it, I mean, it's a challenging thing to talk to anyone about because I came out right before it became this topic of mm, mm-hmm. that people were talking about. It was like right before the Verne Cox blew up, but right before like all the stupid bathroom bills were like all of a mm-hmm. sudden being transgender, like they talked about in the news. So it was like right before that. So people still didn't really know what it was. So I felt like we're talking about it with people. I had to ex- not just explain my own personal stuff, but I had to like give all this background of like what it meant. When I was 15, I tried coming out to my parents about, but I didn't know what I was coming out to. Like I'd never heard the word transgender. I didn't, I wouldn't at the time have really known if that was what it was, but I knew there was something and I kind of needed help. And I tried to come out to them and it really didn't go well at all. Like it was just a really bad experience. So I kind of just followed everything back up for like 14 years. And then when I came out to them again, like as an adult, it was different because it was like, okay, I'm transgender. I'm transitioning. This is what I'm doing. You know, you either accept it or you don't. And so I was expecting it to be bad because I was expecting it to be the same as what had happened when I was 15. And it wasn't. They were totally accepting. They were like, okay, we love you no matter what. Uh, we just want to support you. And that was pretty early. So that was like a nice kind of early boost that gave me some confidence that, okay, some people are going to be okay with this. Um, but yeah, you know, you spend a lot of time just explaining what it is to people before you even get into like your personal stuff. Sure, I'm sure. Do you think that um, the whole Caitlyn Jenner, all that, do you think that is a positive thing for the transgender community? And just for the world oh. in general to, you know, because now people are talking about it. Sure. Um, honestly, most trans people, every, every trans person I know, and myself included, we hate Caitlyn Jenner. I, okay. we, <laughs> I was wondering about we, that. Uh, because, she, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, I know you don't talk about politics on your show, oh, which okay. is great. No, you're but fine. But, like, her being, a her being a Republican is very counterproductive to, you know, being transgender. Like, you know, Republicans don't necessarily have a track record of being supportive of us or our community. So that's kind of strange. Um, but she also kind of took on this role of, like, speaking for our community. Uh-huh. And nobody asked her to. And it was like, hey, you know, you've been <laughs> trans for, like, 10 minutes. Or, like, you've been out of transgender for 10 minutes. You haven't been a part of this community. Like, slow your roll. Like, how about, like, listen for a little bit um, and learn about some of our struggles. Like, learn the history of, you know, the transgender rights movement. Um and all of this stuff, and maybe listen to things we're saying, and kind of echo what we're sa- what the community's already been saying, instead of steamrolling us. Um, she just seems very like in her own world about things. Well, um, so she, she's it's to- frustrating. Well, and she's I mean she's a Kardashian, whatever affiliated with the Kardashian clan. So sure. yeah, um, and you know she she had a very different transition experience because totally. she had money. Oh, I totally. mean, and it's also like. And it was hard, I'm sure it was hard doing it in the public spotlight. That I can't imagine. But I can imagine how much easier it is when you have money. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to worry about like insurance covering you or getting dropped. You don't have to worry about your job firing you, you know, things like that. Um, you know, so a lot of the struggles that most trans people deal with on a regular basis, she doesn't deal with. So yeah. it's a shame because I think she could have been positive for us. Yeah. What about... Um... Is it Laverne? Is that her? She's Orange is the New Black, isn't she? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fox, yeah. 
Fantastic. Okay. Now, I've only ever known her as a transgender woman, though. Yes. So she didn't become famous until after she had transitioned. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She is amazing. She is. I love her. Tell me this. Uh, when it comes to running and being, this is, I, um, I posed this question on Facebook. Uh, on my, I have a group for this, this podcast. And I mentioned that I was talking mm-hmm. to you and I asked people if they had questions. And um, somebody asked this and I'm wondering, do you feel differently like now if you're out for a solo run, like as far as your safety goes, running as a female, like intimidate, more intimidating to you? It's night and day different in that regard. Um, Like running itself feels the same. I'm just slower. But in terms of the safety, it's very different. I used to, I used to love running at night in the dark. I would come home from work, like, you know, in the winter when it gets dark early. I I wouldn't think twice about going for a run in the dark. I put on a reflective vest so I didn't get hit by a car. I didn't worry about my safety otherwise. And now it's like, I won't start a run in the evening if I know I won't be back before it gets dark um that's a whole safety concern i just like get i have to get used to like getting cat called Mm -hmm. um you know being stared at um one time i was running in the park where i run and a guy started following me and i don't know if like he kind of came out of nowhere and i didn't know if he was just happened to be running the same direction as me but it was very weird how he was always 10 feet right behind me and no matter how much faster I got, he was 10 feet right behind me. And then when I got finally like out of the park into down a street that was well lit where there were people, he turned down the first side street. It was very weird. That's creepy. Um, yeah, it was super creepy. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I had to get used to. Yeah. Um, that was really new. Now, and I remember for a long time before I had surgery, I was like, well, you know, what if somebody tries to rape me? on my run and then they find out I'm transgender that like when they like rip my clothes off and then they freak out uh-huh. and murder me instead like <sighs> that was my that was my uh thought process um and it's so there's actually a legal defense that's called trans panic or and it was the same thing there was also gay panic which is the same thing where people have you know found out like a woman was transgender and like lost it and murdered them oh. and then in court argued that oh well they shouldn't be responsible because this person like hid it from them so in my head I'm going through like what happens if like this happens and now like having had surgery at least I feel like okay like they're not if that situation happens they're not gonna like rip my pants off and like oh oh okay right <laughs> so there's it's this really weird thing how there's like this weird little bit of safety from that but yeah running is definitely something safety is something I have to think about now um that's that a was whole, a change that's a whole nother like level of terrifying though what you just explained yeah I mean that's cra- yeah I mean I totally see what you're saying that's crazy um so you had your surgery a year ago are you like one year anniversary right now yeah um one year anniversary was on Saturday, so uh, less than a week ago. So are you feeling good? I am. I feel fantastic. Um, it's It was a really good decision, and I was worried about it when yeah. I made it, because I was like, this is, you know, intense. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's intense. There's no going back from this, um, but I'm really glad that I did it, and I feel great now. It 
it was a while of pain. It was months and months of pain. But yeah. Before I continue my conversation with Amelia, I want to thank PrepDish for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You guys want to save time. You want to be efficient. I know you do. PrepDish.com slash another. Use promo code another all caps and save yourself some time and also have delicious, healthy meals to eat all throughout the week. Go to PrepDish.com slash another promo code another all caps to get a free two week trial. Try it out. Let me know what you think. Thank you, PrepDish. Okay, so I want to talk etiquette a little bit. Sure. I know you have, and you said you didn't hadn't updated in a while, which I didn't realize that, but you have the Trans 101 on your um, on your blog, and I have to be honest, like, in, in thinking about this interview, I was thinking, what if I say something that's politically incorrect? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So what, can you kind of give a couple of, like, you know, basic, like, what are what's okay to say and what's okay not to say to someone who is transgender sure. or just about I mean, the community in general yeah you know in general it's it's kind of simple you know you just you treat people with respect um the same as you would anybody else um you know names and pronouns are a big thing that we always fight with where especially if you know somebody before they transition mm-hmm. and then they come out to you some people have trouble or refuse to change pronouns from like he, him to she, her, or the other way in the case of a trans man. So that, that's, really, that's really important because it's kind of a, it's somebody saying, I see your identity, I see who you are, and I accept that. You know, your identity is yours to figure out, decide. So names and pronouns are a really big thing to respect. Um, you know, don't ask about people's genitals like don't ask you know what people have between their legs and I openly talk about you know having had surgery and it's no secret with me so that's something that's on the table because okay. it's a decision I made on my own but you know I have had people who didn't know that like ask and I'm like do you well what do you have like what's between <laughs> your legs um I, I once had somebody ask me like um well how do you and your wife have sex oh gosh and I'm like, is it, how do you want me to answer that? Because, you know, how do you and your husband have sex? Like, you know, don't be, I guess, like, you know, don't be super, don't be unnecessarily invasive. Uh-huh. Because, you know, trans people, <laughs> we're just people. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I'm really just, I have this deep, um, awful voice. But other than that, I'm just like any other woman, really. Um, so, you know, for the most part, I'm just a woman and, you know, treat me like you would another, another woman. Um, and I guess like the other thing is don't assume that trans people always want to talk about mm. being trans, you know, to you, you might think, Oh, well, I'm just asking one question. It's not that big of a deal, but you might not realize how often that's happening to this person mm-hmm. and how often they're answering it. But yeah, I mean, those are the big things. Like if you can respect all of those things, it's really not that hard. Like if I'm at a, so- if I'm at a party and we're in a social situation, like, you're thinking, I don't necessarily want to talk about this right now. Like, I just want to talk to you about normal everyday things, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. I, so I had that happen once a couple years ago. I was at this party, um, and I had had a bad week with a couple people who had made me feel really uncomfortable about trans-related stuff. And there were people I knew, and I remember, like, I had this bad experience with them, and I stormed out. And then a couple of days later, I was at this party, and one of them was there, and he was, like, fine. He was kind of, like, the innocent bystander of the situation. Um, 
And he's like, you know, I just want to talk to you about that night. He's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, I really don't want to talk about it. I'm at a party. Like, I just want to have fun. Like, yeah. um, hang out with, like, a bunch of our friends and whatever. And he just would not take no for an answer. And I remember walking away from that, being more upset with him than I was the other people. Because I was like, you pulled me aside to say, well, we have to talk about how you're different. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, and, that, you know, that's kind of like how it goes down. And it's like. That really singled me out. Mm-hmm. Made me, that really made me feel different from everyone else there. Yeah, I'm sure. I have a question about your running post-surgery, post-hormone. Would you say it's horm- hormone therapy? Is that right? Yeah, so it's, um, we call it HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy. Okay. So um, can you kind of talk about like, what running was like before you transitioned and how that's changed now that you've done that and you've had your hormone therapy and you've had your surgery? Um, so it's really not that much different. Um, mostly I'm just slower. Um, you know, testosterone testosterone is kind of a hell of a hormone. Mm. Um, and when you don't have it anymore, it really does affect your strength a lot. Um, you know, the normal testosterone level for a man is anywhere over um, 300 NGDL. Um, And for a woman, it's like between 20 and 70 maybe. Okay. Minus minus three, which is, so I'm even below the normal female range. Yeah, so without testosterone, it's harder to like build and maintain muscle mass. Um, There are a lot of other things that come with that. So it slows you down a lot because you're just not as strong. Um, endurance is kind of the same. Like I don't, I could still power through, you know, a marathon with the same kind of endurance. Um, I'm just slower. Um, is it frustrating to feel slower? It was for a while. Yeah. Um, I, and I knew, I knew ahead of time going in, this was going to be something to deal with. Um, and I had to like try to mentally prepare myself, but it was really frustrating because when I started hormones, I was injured and I hadn't been running for like seven weeks. And then I started hormones, hormones, started running again. So it was like coming back from the injury. So it was a little slow because of that. And then I'm getting slower because of the testosterone. And I came back and I'm just like, all right, I'm running more miles than I ever have before. And I'm putting in more effort and working harder and I'm going slower. <laughs> it was so frustrating. But after a couple of years, I found my new normal. Uh-huh. I don't think anymore about like, oh, you know, I used to run this effort and I'd be running X, but now it's, I've been doing it for long enough that this is the normal to me. Yeah. So that helps. But, you know, there are other um, side effects that come with the hormones. Um, a testosterone blocker I used to take uh, is called spironolactone. And that is, that is a tough drug. It is actually used as a diuretic, and transgender people take it off-label as a testosterone blocker. Um, So it makes you have to pee all the time, and it dehydrates you. And it also causes your body to retain potassium. So you have the opposite problem that most runners have. You know, most Uh, runners are like, bananas, bananas, give me potassium. And you actually have to worry about having too much potassium, where it could cause health issues. Um, And then you also deal with the fact that you're constantly dehydrated because you're on diuretic, um, and that came with extra fatigue um, as a side effect as well. 
So having surgery meant I don't have to take a testosterone blocker oh, anymore. Because my body doesn't produce testosterone the same way as it did before. Now that's interesting because I was going to ask you, like, um, what were your thoughts on like the long-term effects of the medications? Yeah, um, in terms of like the long-term effects of those medications, it's not really studied that yeah. well. We don't really know. Um, and mostly it's because, you know, people didn't want to ever talk about transgender mm. people or, or, or like acknowledge that we existed. And it, it was a lot of the taboo that I think caused it to not ha be studied. Um, there's no like indication from anything I've ever read that there is a serious long-term effect. Um, we'll have to say, I mean... But you're not taking that trip. one anymore. Right, so I'm not taking that one anymore, but I mean, just like it, in the community as a whole, we'll see as figures uh -huh. um, go on now. Now that there are more transgender people who are actually open and out, um, it, it'll probably be easier to study. So it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to yeah. see that, but um, the only thing I take now is I inject myself with estrogen once a week. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's, my estrogen level is actually pretty high because my body happens to metabolize it really well. So I have a pretty high um, estrogen level compared to most other women. It doesn't seem to have any weird side effects. Um, I don't have a menstrual cycle, but other than that, like, you know, I have the same hormones that any other woman would have. Well, it, most women will probably say, like, you, don't, you wouldn't miss that anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, people say that all the time. But Is that an annoying thing to hear? Um... It was at first, and yeah. now I don't think like that much of it. But it's like, you know, I kind of, you know, I would like to have the whole thing. Yeah, to experience okay. that. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sucks because it's like that is a way that I'm still different. Like, I will never have a uterus. I will never be able to have a baby. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will never. These are things I'll never experience, whether or not I want to. Mm -hmm. um, and they always kind of make you feel a little different, but. I've mostly gotten over that. It doesn't bother me that much anymore. Um, another question, which is sort of related to this like hormone running talk that I had on the Facebook page was, um, and I don't even know what the rules are, maybe you do, regarding like athletics in, with transgender athletes in like the Olympics, for instance. Sure. So the Olympics recently changed. They changed the beginning of last year. Um, which is interesting because that's kind of how the women's running article came about and that whole cover uh, was because they were doing a feature about transgender athletes and I think it was prompted by the changes uh, to the Olympics, to the Olympic rules. And I was one of the people they interviewed to talk to about that. And then they're like, oh, well, do you want to be on the cover? Sure. Um, yeah, I was like, well, who am I to say no? <laughs> um, I almost did say no, actually. But, what? Um, yeah. Why? Um, because it, it's kind of scary. I guess it was, wasn't something I thought about when I entered the contest. <laughs> I didn't think I'd actually win. I was like, oh, I'm not going to win, so whatever. <laughs> but here it was like, oh, here's this reality. I'm going to be a transgender person on the cover of a magazine, and that's incredibly dangerous. Oh. All of a sudden now, people, if people recognize me, mm. they know I'm transgender, um, whether they would have otherwise or not. Um, they know my name, and there's a lot of attention that comes mm, from it, mm -hmm. especially knowing that I was going to be the first uh, transgender woman on the cover of a fitness magazine, or first openly transgender woman uh -huh. on the cover of this magazine. <laughs> it's a very specific uh, uh, uh -huh. 
interesting there, you know, because um, you don't want to assume that, like, like, you're the first transgender person, because you're usually not. There's usually somebody who just wasn't open. Um, but, you know, I was like, this is going to be a lot of attention, and it's also going to be, like, even probably just a lot of hate online. Mm. Um, it's a lot to deal with. Uh, I had to think about my safety. I had to think about the safety of, you know, my wife as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if you look me up online, like, if you Google my name, it's only me. I, nobody sh I'm the only person in the world named Amelia Gappin. Yeah, your last name's so, not super common at all. Right. So it's only me. If my Twitter comes up, like it says, you know, this is where I work. Mm. I'm open about where I live. So True. There was a lot of concern there. Um, but I ultimately decided that, you know, I thought it would be a good thing to do. And there was going to be somebody <laughs> on the cover. So yeah. I I think I could do this. Um, I already, you know, was in a position where I've done a number of other articles for other sites. So I was kind of like reasonably well known as far as transgender writers go. Um, so yeah, so I said yes eventually. Um, and you're glad you did? I am. I'm really glad. Uh, it was a really rad experience. Yeah. Okay, so back to the, the um, they asked you. You were interviewed for the article they wrote about. Yes. Okay, so, about so, what, so tell me about that. Yeah, so the Olympic rules, they changed. It used to be that you would have to have, I want to say it was two years of hormone therapy and have had bottom surgery. So, okay. Um, the surgery that I had. And those were the rules. Um, and they recently, last year, updated it to no, no surgical requirement. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what the, I can't remember if the hormones changed to one year or if it's still two years. In the NCAA, it's no surgery and it's, I think, one year of hormones. This is for transgender women. If you're a transgender man, if you, you know, transition from um, female to male, there aren't as many rules because you're actually at a disadvantage sure. coming into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Olympics updated it and I think that USATF very recently, like in the last couple of months, opted to follow the Olympic rules. So now you just need that hormones, which so, makes sense because your genitals aren't really propelling you along faster. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you as someone who's been in the position who's done just the hormones and then someone who's also had the surgery, like physically how you felt after hormones and then after surgery, like did have you noticed like a massive change whereas that makes sense that that's the rule I in my experience I'm running faster now after the surgery after surgery okay. um, and it's hard to really attribute exactly what that was because part of it you could say okay I have more marathon experience now and maybe that's it but I just PR'd in Chicago last fall I BQ'd finally um, and it was like a it was like a 16 minute um, PR what'd you run on training I ran a 328. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. So it was training that wasn't that great. I didn't run a lot of miles. It was actually the least aggressive marathon training I've ever done in my life. Huh. Because I was, when I started, I was still like coming out of surgery and still not feeling 100%. So I wasn't going into training with the base mileage I wanted. Mm. So I scaled everything back, set goals accordingly, but training was going really, really well. So it's hard to say if it's, you know, more experience or if it's, you know, not having the side effects mm -hmm. of the testosterone blocker. Um, 
feeling like I have more energy, um, being better hydrated because it's not on a diuretic anymore. Uh-huh. Um, it's hard to say. My testosterone level is exactly the same as it was before because I had it tested before and I had it tested after. I hoped it, I was hoping it would go up a little. I was uh-huh. hoping to get into that female range, you know, <laughs> right. into that, into that like, 20, like the lower end. It did not. Um, but yeah, so I'm running a little faster now than I was before. Not nearly as fast as I ran before transitioning at all. What was your marathon PR before you transitioned? It was 308. Okay. Um, I would say it was 308, and I was very disappointed that day. Okay. So, okay. So, yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, had I not transitioned, I'd probably be running. Maybe, I'm hoping, I would like to say I was like just under three, but unless you've done it, you haven't done it, you know? Right. I understand what you're saying. But I'd like to think that's probably about where I'd be or where I'd be pushing to be. Now, do you still have hopes to like chip away towards that again? I do. I don't think I will ever be, you know, running a 308 again, but I do want to kind of chip away a um, little bit here and there. Um, the next goal I have in terms of time is I'd like to run a 324 because 324 was my first marathon like that I ever ran. So I'm like, okay, like okay. that's a nice goal to hit. Like I can let me see if I can knock off four minutes here. Totally. Four minutes is um, totally achievable. Yeah. So it's kind of right now it's like setting littler goals like that. Are you running Boston? Um I will be in twenty eighteen. Okay. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah, because I Chicago is like two weeks after registration uh-huh. and fills up. So, yeah, you guys just went to Florida though and did like you. Okay, mm-hmm. you have to teach me. You have to tell me about this because, um, and don't get offended, but my husband okay. and I are always like, we don't understand adults who like to go to Disney World <laughs> that don't have kids. And I, one of my very best friends does it. She just came back, and I'm like, why do you want to be there? Tell me about it. Tell me what it is. Um, so I guess part of it depends on like what your experience with Disney World was. If you <laughs> if you if you picture Disney World as just a bunch of like little crazy kids running around being crazy, of course it sounds like insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, it probably sounds like your house even worse. <laughs> um, but you know, we usually go during times of the year of the year where it's less crowded and there are less kids. Um, kids are in school um, and things like that. So it's a little calmer. But for us, I think a lot of it is like just getting to escape the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like not having to worry about real things. You don't really have to worry about like cooking. You don't have to worry about going to work. You don't have to keep up with what's going on in the outside world. You don't have to worry about transportation because they're just like buses that take you places. You don't even have to bring your wallet with you to the parks. You like oh, yeah, I throw my the, yeah. yeah, you have a magic band. Um, I throw my ID in my pocket so I could drink and then like you just scan your magic band for everything. Um, well, and that's what and my think- friend said. She was like, "Okay, yeah, but Lindsay, you went to cuz we literally went for one day like 7 hours cuz we were we were already going to be in Florida and we thought we're going to be right here. Let's go mm-hmm. cuz we were flying into Orlando. And she was like, yeah, you went to Magic Kingdom for six hours. Like, what did you expect? You know, you know, I haven't, other than when we went last year, I hadn't been since I was a kid. So, like, you know, I don't really remember a lot. But she's like, think about all the other places you didn't go to that didn't have little kids melting down all around you. 
like Epcot <laughs> and things like that. Like we didn't go over there. Mm -hmm. So I really don't know what I'm talking about when I say we don't understand. No, it's fine. A lot of people do. Like we get that a lot because um, we usually go like twice a year. And like even some of my coworkers are like, why do you always go to Disney? <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all, usually we try to schedule it so at least one of our trips is during a race. So we go there for that. Yeah. Um, which makes it good, which is like a good excuse to be like, oh, well, we were going there to run. Um, but uh, it's also like, I don't know, there's a lot of whimsy. It's kind of, it's fun in that regard. Um, you get to turn off being adult and adult and just have fun, um, which is really enjoyable. Um, I also like going, visiting new places. Like I love like, you know, like I always want to go to Europe and all that, but those trips are also really exhausting. Yeah. There are a lot of work to plan, um, and they are so, so exhausting. Um, so it's kind of nice to have trips where it's, you know, it's tiring, but it's different. Well, it's and not you stressful. A, you, that's a really good point because I will say in the, like, well, we were there for a total of 24 hours, you know, because we stayed on, like, a Disney property. Like, mm -hmm. everything they do is perfect. I mean, like, you know, the staff and everything, like, meeting your needs it's like everything is there for you everything is convenient everything is easy so that you do have a very good point with that yeah yeah so that's kind of enjoy that's a that's a nice part of it okay so what did you do when you were there you did the dopey challenge yeah i did dopey which is the 5k 10k half marathon and marathon oh you did you did you did all of that just now yeah uh so it's over four days um it is a lot of running and a lot of waking up early did Danielle do all of them, too? No. She did not run at all this year. Oh, no. So she was supposed to do the half marathon, which got canceled because of thunderstorms. Oh. Yeah. It's the first uh, run Disney race they've ever canceled. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So they had to cancel it. And everybody was really bummed. And then the next the day of the half marathon, everybody, like hundreds, probably thousands of people who were supposed to run got up and like, started just doing laps around resorts and did, the, did it anyway. So... We did. Um, we ran 13.1 on that okay. morning anyway. Um, we ran in the rain, and there was, like, there was lightning off in the distance. They definitely made the right decision to cancel an official race. But, right. Um, and there were, like, hundreds of other runners out there. Um, people started coming out to cheer. Oh, uh, at some of the resort At some of the resorts, they set up, like, aid stations and, like, water stops. It was, it was actually probably more fun than the official race would have been. Because uh, there was all this camaraderie ab among runners. It was totally. it was a really cool experience. Um, so, yeah, she didn't end up running an official race. But she did but the 13.1 with you. She did do her 13.1, and then Disney sent everybody their medals anyway. Because oh. like, I guess they're like, well, we have these medals. What are, what are we going to do with them? Yeah. So you can officially say, you, I mean, I guess officially, but you did, you did still do the five, the ten, the yes. half, and the full. So then what did the full yeah. feel like after? I mean, because... Normally, you run, like, 20 minutes the day before a full marathon. So, like, right. what, what was that like? So, this so this was the second time I've done Dopey, and I had done Goofy before okay. three times. Goofy is a half marathon and marathon. So, I've done this kind of, like, do a bunch of running the day before a marathon thing a bunch of times now. And it's always stupid. Like, every time you do it, you're like, this is stupid. Like, what am I doing? Like, if this was a goal race, I would never do that. Right. But I think, you know, that's the thing. It's like, it's not a goal race. They're fun races. Um, I stop and take pictures because our characters are on the course. I stop and take pictures throughout the park. Um, 
you know, my goals are different. My goals are to PR and fun. Yeah. Um, so your legs are kind of tired right from the start, but you're not running hard. You don't care if you have to take like a walk break. Or I, in Disney, I will usually walk through the water stops during the marathon. Um, it's just a different race approach. So it's tiring, but it's fun. So wait, okay, so they start it at like 3 a.m., right? Because they want everybody done before the park opens. Is that what it is? So it's, it starts at 5.30. Okay. Um, and basically everybody has to be out of Magic Kingdom before Magic Kingdom opens. Okay. And then in Animal Kingdom, which is the second park you go through, they have um, the course that goes through the park is kind of like coned off on those walkways. So half of it's for runners and then half is for like people in the park because the park that park is opened by them um it depends on how fast of a runner you are animal kingdom's never been open while i've been through there mm. um and then you go through wild world sports and then you go to hollywood studios which is open and it's the same thing where it's like coned off like mm. they kind of like try to share the space and then from there you go to epcot and you run around the world showcase and again it's kind of like coned off um but I think, you know, they have to start at 530 because they have to clear out Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, because Magic Kingdom is just, like, so crowded. Yeah. Um, and also, a lo- there are a lot of people who do Disney races that just, like, walk. They're, like, yeah, the walkers. I mean, do they have, they have like, like, a seven time limit. Okay, so. yeah. Because a lot of marathons are, like, six, six and a half. But I was wondering if it was a longer. Especially if people are doing the whole dopey thing. Yeah. Um, and they're really accommodating. Um, there's after a certain point. I don't know what the point is where they won't sweep you off the course really they'll just the sweepers will be like right behind you but they'll just like let you go um okay it's it's kind of cool because like the race finishes and if you're like faster um you can go to the park you could go to epcot and then go cheer for people um and it, it was actually really inspiring this year i was we were cheering in epcot and this was like the last few runners to come through like right before the sweepers and there's this woman, like, power walking, and, like, I'm cheering. I'm like, yeah, and, like, you're doing great. And she's like, I'm going to be a marathoner, because it was her first one. And she was so, like, excited. Um, she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm like, yes, you are. Aww. Like, you, you've got it. Like, I didn't, you know, I'm not going to yell you almost there, but you were within, <laughs> like, the last half mile. You were so close. You've got this. Um, and I was so excited for her. Um, and things like that are really inspiring. And that it's, like, people who are just, like, they're so excited to just do this thing. Yeah. I love cheering for people in marathons, but it's, it, is exa- it is exhausting to be the cheerleader if, you, if you're yes. cheering for people at the very front all the way to the very end. Like, if you are committed to staying the whole time. And sometimes I'm, like, I think I would be a better cheerleader for the people in the back of the pack if I just forgot about the front of the pack for a race and just cheered on the back of the pack, you know? Yeah, I think I'm totally more tired after a day of cheering than I am a day of running. Exhausting. It is exhausting. And for some reason, I keep having babies, and so I spent a lot of time (laughs) pregnant on the course cheering for my husband. All right, everybody. I want to thank Now Foods for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Where are you buying your supplements? Where are you buying your protein powders? I encourage you to check out Now Foods. They are in the natural products industry. You guys can get supplements, you can get essential oils, you can get food, you can get all kinds of stuff from them. One of the things I mentioned in the last episode is a product called Better Stevia, which is a zero calorie, low glycemic, certified organic sweetener. 
It's a healthy substitute for table sugar and artificial sweet and art other artificial sweeteners. Unlike chemical sweeteners, our stevia contains pure stevia extract. So you guys have heard of stevia, right? So Now Foods takes special measures to preserve stevia's natural qualities in this unique, pure, better tasting stevia. They do something different with the plant and the extraction that it doesn't have the same bitter aftertaste that normal stevia has. I encourage you guys to try it. And as always, I will plug the Creamy Vanilla Plant Protein Complex because that's what I use for mini meals after I work out. So Now Foods is offering listeners of the podcast an insane deal, 25% off your full purchase. Go to now-2-u.com and save 25%. Use the promo code SAVE25% sign. That's SAVE in all caps, 25% sign. All this will be listed in the show notes. All right, thanks Now Foods for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. We have to get to our fun questions um, okay. before we wrap up. So I don't know if you prepped. I did a little bit. Okay. <laughs> If you could have coffee or cocktail with anybody, who would it be? Okay, so I was thinking about this one. I was talking to Danielle about it. I'm like, all right, I don't know who to pick for this one. I'm between three people. And she's like, who? I'm like, well, obviously, like, Meb, because Meb is awesome and a super, like, inspirational person who, like, throws up seven times during the Olympic marathon and is just happy that he got to run for the United States. Yeah. Um, and I was like, or Obama, which is, like, an answer I don't think I would have given a month ago, but mm. I so, he was so positive at the end, you know, mm -hmm. about everything. And you kind of see this side of somebody who doesn't feel defeated. And he's, you know, always kind of, you know, looking on the bright side of things. And I think that that would be an interesting conversation to have, to just like a, about that and how you stay positive when you see somebody coming in who's just the opposite of you. Totally. Um, you know, um, so that would be really interesting to me. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, there's also the fun answer of Aubrey Plaza because I feel like her and I would get along so well because her character in Parks and Rec is basically me, IRL. Wait, who is, who is she? she? So did you watch Parks and Recreation? I, I have seen, like, multiple episodes, but I'm not, like, a regular watcher. She was the actress who played April Ludgate, who's a really sarcastic um, uh, long girl. dark hair. Yeah, she has like dark hair, just like super sarcastic, like, big eyes. Yes, kind of younger. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. But yeah, it's just like that sarcasm. Um, What's I'm like, her name I feel like in we real would life? just have so much. Aubrey Plaza. Okay. Okay. I'll, well, you gave three answers. That's fine. Yeah. I'm like, so here's a whole bunch of answers. <laughs> so if you had to choose of the three, who would it be? I think I'm going to go with Aubrey Plaza and go for the fun and the laughs yeah. over the more serious conversation. Yes. The you world's getting to... kind of serious right now. I need some laughs. Yeah, you'd have to come. You'd have to. I feel like someone like Obama or um, Meb even, like, I feel like you'd want to feel, like, prepared for the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be almost like a job interview. Yes. Get a lot of work. Like, I've got this one shot to have coffee with you. What am I going to ask? Um, yeah, I can't what's the best advice you've ever been giving? So when I read this question, when you sent over questions, the first thing that popped into my head actually really surprised me. Um, cause I've, I don't think I've ever actually been asked this question before, which is like, I guess kind of weird to have never been asked, but it would actually be this advice. My grandmother used to always say it over and over, um, be a leader, don't be a follower. 
and it was interesting to me that this popped into my head because um, I always I think a lot about like what my grandmother would have how she would have reacted to me being transgender um, if she was still alive when I came out and I'm fairly certain it would not have been good um, mm. so when I was growing up like I was really really close to my grandparents on my mom's side and I was her favorite by far and everybody knew it my brother knew that I was her favorite because she treated me different um, and I they had like a big hand in raising me I was always at their house um, but she used to like, so this was like in the early 90s when I was like a little kid. Um, and she used to watch like Jerry Springer when they were like, which was not a good show for, to tra for trans people at all. And then she'd be like, and she'd like talk about how like disgusting that was. And she'd be like, how do you do that? She's like, would you, she's like, would you want somebody to cut off your penis? Mm. Like things like that. Yeah. And so she was like really like terrible about trans people. I don't think she would have been positive um about it when I came out um so it was interesting that like her advice is what stuck with me but um yeah it was you know be a leader don't be a follower it's like they always meant kind of thinking for yourself um and standing up for things that you believe in and not just going along with things because they're easier or because everybody else is you know it's kind of doing what you believe is right um and having the strength to stand up for that. That's good. I love that. That is so hard probably to think about with your grandma. Like, you I know. know. It sounds, sounds horrible, but a lot of times I'm like, I'm kind of glad she died before yeah. I transitioned. Because then it's like it never tainted that. You know, yeah. like I always had that good memory of her. She was such an important part of my life. And it never got bad for either of us. And she was also, like, old, too. She was, like, 86. Like, right. she had a nice whole life. <laughs> you know. I always I was, say that. Like, I'm, like, I'm sad you're, I'm sad for you that your grandma died. But if she was, like, over 85, you know. Yeah. She got to live to be that long. And that's a really good thing. So I'm happy that, like, that relationship never got tainted or anything. Yeah. Um, so what are you loving right now? I am... Loving that my cat behind me is freaking out on the cat toy. I don't know if you can hear it. I, well, I just heard something it, a little bit. Yeah, it's one of those toys that's like, there's like the ball and it can't get, and they just kick it around and around. What's I mean, your cat's name? Floors. So this is Fry. We have three. Okay. Um, because we're crazy cat I knew ladies. You were, I knew you were cat people. Yeah, so we have Fry, Leela, and Hattie. Aw. Yeah, they're cute. They're a pain in the butt, but they're cute. Who changes the kitty litter? Um, it's usually Danielle. Um, it's funny. It actually, it was always me for the longest time because Leela, who's the oldest one, was my cat before we started dating. Um, so I was always wanting to change the litter. We got Fry. I kept changing the litter. Um, and I, and before we moved to Jersey City, she, and she, before she was working at her current job, she worked from home. Mm. Um, so while she was working from home, it became like something she was doing while she was cleaning. And then it just transitioned into being like, this is her chore. <laughs> um, but I do it every once in a while. Um, At least you yeah. both love cats. It's not like you have a cat hater and a cat lover. We both, actually, neither of us were cat people before. I used to, I, we both grew up with dogs. We were both always dog people. Uh -huh. um, and then I got Leela because at this old apartment I was in, we couldn't have dogs. Mm. And me and my roommate 
kind of wanted like some animal running around. And then I had this coworker who found this like little baby kitten in her backyard and she needed a home. So I was like, okay, we'll take the cat. We'll see what happens. And then you fall in love. And they're like, oh, well, maybe they want a friend. Oh, well, they don't get along. But now the younger one needs a friend. And then you have a third cat. All of a sudden, you're like, what just happened? We're cat people now. Yeah. I mean, once you have, once you have more than two, you're definitely considered a cat person. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So what are you loving? Um, th- okay. This is probably going to be the weirdest answer you'll ever get on this podcast. That's okay. I actually re- I really am loving my antidepressant medication that I started in December. That's great. Um, so I started taking Lexapro. First time in my life, I was like, all right, the election's bumming me out. All this is bumming me out. And on top of how I normally feel, I need something. And so I started taking it, and, like, it takes a few weeks to kick in. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, huh, is this what life feels like when you don't constantly just, like, want to die? Oh, <laughs> like, this it. is amazing. Were um, you not on anything before? No, I was just doing the, like, well, all the- I run and that helps kind of mm, thing. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is like good because I, I, I kind of explained it to Danielle uh, last week. I was like, instead of like, you know, the world kind of like punch you in the face and knock you to the ground, the world punches you to, in the face, but you're still on your feet. You oh, don't get yeah. knocked down. Yeah. That's kind of how I explain it. So it's like, I feel much more like able to handle things. Um, and I don't, feel like I'm constantly fighting against myself. That's great. Isn't that crazy so it's, to it's, think of somebody created this drug that I know. can do that to you? I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, especially like, you know, the way things have been going lately. Um, yeah. It's been really good to have this. Um, well, I'm so glad. Yeah. So that's probably like the weirdest answer for somebody to be like, this is what I'm loving, but it's, it's helped so much that I'm really grateful for it. That's awesome. Favorite, most recent book you've read? Okay, so this is this is where I get the answer that makes me feel so lame. I don't think I've read a book in like a year and a half. You're um, not the only one. I'm, I'm so bad at this. And like, you ever see, there's this tweet, and I see it, it gets like retweeted into my timeline every once in a while, and it's a quote, and I can't remember who the quote's from, but it's, um, the quote is basically like, if you go to somebody's house, and they don't have any books on their shelves, get out or something. It's like something like that. And I'm like, it. oh no, I'm that person who doesn't have a lot of books. I have like a handful of books. Danielle has a ton because Danielle reads like two books a week. What's Danielle's she, most recent favorite book? <laughs> oh gosh, I don't even know. She, she reads a lot on her Kindle now, but mm. she's actually in the bedroom right now reading. Um, she's always reading. Um, I also have really bad ADD, that I, and I grew up with it. I always had it. So reading is like a struggle sometimes mm. for me because I'm so easily distracted. I'll read a page and then I'll be like, wait, I don't remember anything on this page. Back to the top. And I'll do that three or four times. So I, it's hard for me to like find a book that I stick with because of that. Um, and it's like embarrassing. Oh, don't be embarrassed. Um, do you have a classic? Like, you know, um, I'm trying to think. You know, like so, okay, The Help it, or whatever. Like that's one of those popular books that you were like, I love that. I mean, I, so I, I, I loved growing up. I loved um, Catcher in the Rye. Okay. Cliche. Um, I really loved that. And I always loved The Great Gatsby. I don't know why. Um, I really like that. Um, I feel like those are books I, I need to go back as an adult and read. Yeah. Um, there's also this book that's called Master Margarita, which is like a Russian novel from, um, I want to say, 
the earlier 1900s, maybe like the 1920s. Um, and the author wrote half the book and then destroyed it because if the government found that he was writing, writing this book, they would have killed him. It was like one of those things because, you know, the communists come to power then. Uh -huh. It was dictatorship. So then he started writing it again. And then he died and his wife uh, finished it. Um, oh. So the book was called Master and Margarita. And one of my favorite um, albums is, it's a punk rock record um, by this band called the Lawrence Arms from Chicago. And one of their albums is based on this book. So I read the book because of that. It's really interesting. Um, it's a tough read because like um, Russian names are long. Mm. Um, that was the hardest thing was keeping track of the characters because their names are long and they usually have like four or five names. So it's like very hard to keep up with. Um, so that was a really good book. Uh, my favorite book I think I've read ever is this book called Nevada huh. by Imogen Binney. Um, this is, there's, so the main character in the book is named Maria. And as I'm reading this book, I'm like, wow, this is, this like really hits home to me. And I feel like if I had made a couple decisions in like high school different, my life would have been like exactly this. Like it could have gone in this like completely different direction of business, but so she's a transsexual, a uh, transgender woman, um, and it's kind of like about her. She's like this real like punk person, like living in New York City. She works in like bookstore, um, and it's it's really interesting because it's just so familiar. Um, it, it's just like hard to explain like how much it like kind of resonated with me. That was one of those few books I've read where like. My ADD didn't matter. I was just like flying through page after page. Nothing was distracting me. Um, so yeah, that was a really good one too. Awesome. Um, I feel like you maybe were one of the people that responded to one of my tweets about the Gilmore Girls. Did were you a Gilmore Girl person? I was, but recently. So I didn't. I didn't watch it when it was on. Okay. Um, when it was on, I that was like way before I transitioned, and that was like struggling like, you know, my gender, and I was, like, trying to, like, hide any, like, mm. sort of, like, girly things, you know, because it's, like, you try to almost overcompensate. Sure. And that was one of those things where it's, like, oh, like, a bunch of my friends watch this show, but that's that's for girls. I can't do that. I can't watch that. Um, so I never watched it when it was on. And then I started watching it when I was recovering from surgery. So, actually, I was still in the hospital, um, and it was, like, hours after surgery. I kind of had woken up and, like, my visitors had left, um, so I picked up my iPad and the shows. I have a whole list of shows I'm going to watch, um, and that was like the first one. And I ended up binging on the whole series in like two weeks. Okay, I'm on season two because I kept I kept seeing people, you know, tweet about the reunion or whatever, and I'm like, I've never been able to get into it. I've tried it like one or two times, and every time I watch an episode, I'm like, this is boring. But I really gave it a go. And now I'm hooked. And I love it so much. So I'm really glad that... Because I, I think I tweeted about... Um, I said, what's going on with Lorelai and... Uh, what's his name? Luke. And everybody's Luke, yeah. like, oh, the question you're going to wonder the entire... Yeah. You know, seven seasons yeah, you're or whatever gonna, it is. You're going to be saying that after every episode. And I'm, I'm like midway through season two, I think. So have you watched okay. the reunion then? I have, and I didn't like it. Oh, no. I, I feel like a lot of people didn't like it, though. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of... I think 
I had a lot of issues with it. I think they tried to kind of like cram too much into it, like too many ideas into it that were like half baked. Um, yeah. And then I just really didn't like where Vori was like in her life and like what they had done to her character. Okay. It just didn't feel right. It, it felt wrong compared to everything you'd known about her mm. before. I wonder if you see it differently than people that watched it like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Because all the, everything was so fresh to you. Yeah, I, I do wonder that. <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely a different experience when you binge a show versus when you watch it when it's on. Totally. Okay, so do you have your, do you have top five p- favorite people to follow on social media? Okay, um, so actually they're not all people, but That's they're, okay, okay my fa- one of my favorite Twitter accounts is Sarcastic Rover. It is a Twitter account somebody made that from the point of view of the Curiosity rover on Mars. Okay. And it's, it's like, really sarcastic, like, complaining about how it's cold there and how, like, being sent on a one-way trip to Mars and not being able to come back. Um, it's, it's got some good quips. It's really enjoyable um, without being, like, it's not, because it's not, like, a heavy-handed thing. Um, so it's really good. Um... There's a Tumblr I love that's called New York City Feelings. Okay. Which is, it's basically just like photography around New York City. Um, oh, cool. A lot of them are kind of like edited um, a little, so they're like a little surreal, like they're heavily saturated, um, things like that. But it's just like really pretty. Um, so I love that one. And there are two Tumblrs. Um, that are, so it's retro sci-fi art and 70s sci-fi art. And they're both just, like, based around, like, the kind of, like, style of sci-fi art from, like, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, which is always interesting to me because I'm, like, a weird, like, nerd. Um, I like geeky stuff. I love Star Wars. I love, you know, sci-fi. Um, so they're, they're really interesting to me. Like, you know, those 50s style, like, spaceships and things like that. Cool. So it, yeah. So I guess that's probably less interesting to most people, but I love no, it. No, but it's a different answer, which I like. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't get on Tumblr like I should. Oh, I'm okay. talking to a Tumblr person. You know, like some people use Tumblr as like their main blog, right? Hmm. It's funny because like people always say that to me. They're like, "Oh, you work at Tumblr? I used to use Tumblr. I don't anymore." Like, "Oh, I've always meaning to try Tumblr." I'm like. It's fine. Like, you don't have to explain well, it to me. Well, your blog's like, a WordPress blog, isn't it? It is, um, which is funny because I don't talk about that a lot at work. I'm oh. just like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, like, super obvious about it. Um, yeah, so I, I love my company. I love what we do, and I really believe in it. Um, I have drink, I drink the Kool-Aid at Tumblr. Like, I absolutely do because I really love what we do. But we're not good at everything, and I don't think we're good at long form, mm. like, long articles and I write long blog posts. Like some of them are four thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> um, I write long stuff, and it's and Tumblr is not a good format for that. But okay. I think Tumblr is great for short stuff, like you know, less than a hundred words. It's great for photography, um, any for sharing art, things like that. I think we're amazing at. Um, I just don't think we're good at you know once you start approaching like. Five, six, seven hundred words, a thousand words, more than that. Um, you know, I just don't think that we're the best at that. And I think that that's okay. That's a really interesting point because I, I have been, well, since I started this podcast, I 
really don't write on my blog much anymore because I'm like, okay, what do I have time for? I have to decide, right? But I've noticed that since I don't do that anymore, when I post a picture on Instagram, I put like a longer story behind the picture and like that's kind of more my like blog post, you know, instead, Sure. which kind of seems like it's a little bit what Tumblr would be. Yeah, Tumblr would be great for something like that. Um, and you, I think we see a lot of that too on Tumblr Yeah. with how people use it. Um, they'll post a photo of something and then they'll like write a little something about it. Um, Yeah. and I think one of the hard things about like Instagram is you still can't do it like online. Like you have to be on your phone, right? Yes. You can't be on a desktop. So you have to like type this whole thing out on your phone. Yes. Um, Or you could get like, you know, you could type it on your computer and then like email it to yourself a copy and paste and it's a lot of work, but I finally got yeah, wise with I think. that with my with these podcast interviews, like the picture promos. Like I would like morning I was posting it, I would be like typing it all on Instagram and my sister was like, type like copy and paste it on your computer and like what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Like, come on, Yeah. figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, if you have if you have a Mac, you can just like use the notes app and it just like syncs. Oh, even smarter. Yeah, um, if you have like the iCloud sync turned on, so that's what I do. I write blog posts in there on like my home computer, and then I get to work in the morning. The next day, I proofread them there, and then I copy and paste it into WordPress. And it also means like I could kind of like add to it when I'm on the train in the morning. Um, so that's what I do. I keep all my notes in there. It's just like everywhere. Mm-hmm. 2017. 2017. I got to be more efficient. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, man. Well, I so appreciate you taking your time on Wednesday evening to talk to me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was fun. And I would This was normally a good chat. have a glass of wine instead of water, but I'm, like, getting over the sinus infection. So I water it is tonight. That's okay. I have beer because I'm not a huge wine person, Tell but me I what beer am you're a big drinking. beer person. So this is Six Point Global Warmer. Um, it's like a red ale from Six Point uh, Brewery, which is in Brooklyn. Um, I have I had a few cans of this left in the fridge from like Thanksgiving, and I'm like, I should probably drink this Yeah. before like, well, it's still good. Well, I'm sad I couldn't share a beer with you or a glass of wine, but water it is, water it is. Great, thanks. Okay, and tell Danielle I said hi. I will. Okay, Good see night. you, Amelia. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Thank you, Amelia, for coming on the show. You guys can find all the information we talked about, information about prep dish and now foods on the show notes, lindsayhine.com. And next week is episode 50. I'm talking with three Olympians in a round table discussion for that episode. I already recorded it. I'm super excited to go back and edit it and get it out to you guys next week. So I can't believe we are already at episode 50. That is crazy. Thank you all for continuing to listen and supporting me and encouraging me all along the way. Without you, I would not be at episode 50. So I thank you for that. You guys have a wonderful weekend and as always, I'll see you next Friday.